Take your Bibles, please, tonight and join me in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. And I want to read verses 15 through 21. The Bible says, Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things." For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto His glorious body, according to the working whereby He is able even to subdue all things unto Himself. Sorry, excuse me. Last week we considered verses 15 and 16. And we took note how in verse 15, Paul calls on the mature Christians to be like-minded on what he had just written beforehand. Those who have matured in Christ to be like-minded with Paul and having no confidence in the flesh and that we should be growing in the knowledge of Christ, desiring to know the power of His resurrection, the fellowship of His suffering, and be willing to be made conformable unto His death. And that we should keep our eyes on the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that we all should keep pressing toward that mark. That we would live our lives trying to apprehend the One who has apprehended us. That our aim in this life would be to to be as much like Christ as we possibly can be. In other words, we said, don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for mediocre Christianity. But strive to be all that you can be in the Lord's army. Amen. Uh, I knew as soon as that entered my mind, I was in trouble. Amen. Yeah. Don't be half-hearted Christians. But be all in. And give it all you can. Because even as we heard tonight, we never know when we'll draw our last breath. In the second half of verse 15, we saw how Paul addresses those who may not be on board with being sold out. He says, If in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. And so in context, Paul here, he's trusting that God's going to work in people's lives. Amen. And we just need discernment. We talked about how there's a time to speak and there's a time to be silent. And you can speak to the point that you've just completely turned somebody off. And I just think we need discernment sometimes on how to proceed. And so there's going to be some that They don't quite understand all that Paul just wrote and they don't understand those who are sold out. They're they're kind of weird. They're fanatics. And 
Paul just says, I'll trust that God will reveal to you what it is you need to learn. And we talked about how we need a certain amount of grace and patience as we deal with other believers, those who are still maturing. We need to allow the Holy Ghost to convict and convince. And that's the only way real growth will take place. Amen? Because if you do it for the pastor, or if you do it for your parents, or if you do it for somebody else, it's never going to stick. And when that guy leaves, you'll change with whatever the next guy has. And so we, we do things because we love the Lord. And when the Holy Spirit convicts us, then that's something that will take root in a person's life. God loves His children, and He's going to do a better job at conforming His children than we will trying to help Him out sometimes. And then we saw in verse 16 that even though we will be at different growth levels within a church body, we need to walk in the knowledge that has already been revealed to us. Not all of us are at the same level, but we all have a measure that's been revealed, and that's what we ought to be walking in, what we know, because we're all growing and we'll learn more as we go. And as we learn, we should keep walking in that. And the point was, don't give up ground. If you have attained some victory, some ground in your Christian life, don't give that up. Don't go backwards and stay focused on the mission. Don't give up territory, but keep advancing. Amen. Remember, we talked about how that, that word there, let us walk, it's, it's a military term. We're marching in formation. We're all heading in the same direction. And what we really ought to try to do is focus on what we know is right and not all the petty differences that come up. If you drive a Chevy, so what? Amen. And I know that's a silly example, but you know exactly what I'm saying. There's been all kinds of examples I could give you. I remember a lady in at Grace, she came, she was a missionary's wife, and she had like a really expensive purse or diaper bag. Remember that? And man, somebody at not our church, she was telling a story from a different church, somebody just really got uppity about that and said, well, y'all must not be hurting for support. And not knowing that it was a gift from somebody who just wanted to be a blessing. Sometimes we just need to keep our mouth shut. I don't know how to politely say it, amen? Well, there's no kids in here. Sometimes you just need to shut up. Sometimes parents say, you shouldn't say shut up. And I don't know why. That's what I want you to shut up. <laughs> amen. So stay focused on the mission. And then keep encouraging people in their race. Be a supporter. We're all in this together. And so let's unify around what we know is right. And be kindly affectionate to those who still need to grow, which, by the way, is all of us. Allow God to reveal some things to people instead of focusing on the minor issues where we disagree. So we need to love one another, be patient with each other, exhort one another, root for each other in our race for the prize of the high calling. All right, that was last week. So with that in mind, look at verse 17. Paul writes, Brethren... Be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. When we take a verse like verse 17, and if we were just to take it by itself, out of context, it almost seems like Paul's being very boastful. 
about his walk with God. Follow me. Now, we know in context that that's not what he's saying here because in the rest of the chapter, most of which we've already studied, uh, we've seen how Paul already admitted that he wasn't completely perfect. He says, not that I'm perfect or have already attained. And he's, he's acknowledging the fact that he's not, um, you know, the standard, but he is able to tell them, follow me. He's not being boastful, but he's being a mature Christian that has not only grown, but now is willing to help others grow. And there's nothing wrong with this biblically. But we typically don't receive statements like that very favorably in our day. Maybe for many reasons, but I'll give you two. One reason is because many of us have that independent American spirit and nobody's going to tell me how to live. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Who do you think you are? Right? I think another reason, um, and, and it's pretty understanding, I think, is that we don't appreciate that kind of thing because we have witnessed so many fall. Well, that gets a little more difficult to handle because some people, they fall hard. And it may be people that are up in a pulpit and find out they're living a different life. Um, He's not of our persuasion, our stripe of church, but I remember some years ago, and I think it was only because I lived out here in South Dakota, but there was some pastor in Denver of a huge church and come to find out, he had been having a homosexual relationship on the side. And, of course, it destroyed a lot of people when that came out. And so we understand that there are some people that maybe we're trying to follow, but they have such a hard fall that it confuses some. But I think most people are understanding that none of us are perfect. And I believe that most people are still very forgiving of some of our shortcomings. And not that we want to just, you know, habitually live with this bad character trait or this sin, but I think most people are are forgiving and understanding. But many do get tripped up and they end up falling themselves after they learn that someone they respected had been secretly living in rebellion to God for all those years. And, And that it went against what they were teaching and preaching. And we can understand how weaker believers would be confronted with something like that and cause them to stumble. But we must also realize, and get this please, that the actions of some do not change truth. And that's hard because some people get hurt in very serious ways in churches. But it does not change what God has ordained. Some today are against Bible Christianity. They were hurt in the past. And I'm sure the hurts are real. Some of the stories I hear, I'm shocked people are even in church today, to be honest with you. The hurts are real. And, and, but I am saying this, just because there's a bad church experience does not mean we're supposed to throw in the towel in church. We're not to give up on church altogether. Because God has ordained the church. Just because there's a bad pastor doesn't mean that we give up on church. 
and that we should just avoid it altogether because I had a bad experience. You know, marriages have a lot of bad experiences, but a lot of people stay with it. The bad marriages of some don't mean we abandon God's order and plan for the family. I'd imagine that every one of us in here that are married tonight knew somebody who had been divorced before we got married, and yet we still got married. We didn't avoid it altogether. Why? Because that's God's plan. Many of you likely have had a terrible workplace experience somewhere in your past, but you're still going to work. Hey, man, I'm just trying to put this at the bottom level the best I can. You may change jobs, but you're still working. You may change church, but don't give up on church. Why? Because it's God's way. But it's amazing to me when it comes to more spiritual things, like the church, church leaders, many will become completely resistant to church. And they'll say things like, I was hurt in church once and now I'm done with all that church stuff. But wait a minute, weren't you hurt at work before? And yet you're still going. Haven't you seen people divorced before, but you're still married? And some of the people that have been hurt in church and won't go back are people who have been divorced themselves but still got remarried. And I'm not making fun. I'm just saying it's like we don't process logically what it is we're saying. Well, I was hurt because there was hypocrites. There's hypocrites at the Cracker Barrel. Walmart. I like what Joe Arthur said once. He said uh, somebody was complaining about hypocrites in the church, and he said, we'll slide over and make room for one more. But for some reason, when it comes to the church, people get very resistant because somebody had failed them. Now, this could be an indication that this is a spiritual battle. That we don't give up on these other institutions, that we don't give up in work, and we don't give up in these other things. But when it comes to church, I'm done. I, I believe there's a spiritual battle. Amen. It is the less mature Christian who turns to avoidance as the knee-jerk reaction for dealing with the hurt. So we aren't to avoid church because we've been hurt, and we aren't to withdraw from people because there's difficult times, but we should be mature enough to press on with what God has ordained. And, And we need to understand this as we're teaching other people even as we're teaching our children, that the immediate answer shouldn't be to withdraw and avoid. But we should teach, we should teach people, this is life. And it's difficult at times, and it's hard at times, and there's, there's some rascals out there. And, and we gotta, we got to train people how to deal with that. Because as they grow up, if all they've ever been taught is just avoid, guess what? As soon as they get hurt at church, they're out. Because that's all, that's all they've ever known. And so we, we end up teaching people avoidance. So people learn to avoid when it doesn't go well. And then they'll also learn to despise pastors when they disappoint them. And so forth and so on. And so I believe that we're, we're technically, personally, I believe we're seeing that in our day. This mindset of the generation that's been coming up. They've never learned how to lose. No one should ever hurt their feelings. They should never have to endure disappointments. And now they don't know how to deal with the real world, which can be very harsh. 
So back to my point here, just because someone or a church has failed you, it doesn't mean you give up with what God has ordained. And I guess this is so heavy on my heart tonight because I just recently had to deal with a situation with somebody outside of our church on this issue. Someone had gotten hurt in church 20 years ago or more, I, I don't remember, and their life literally fell apart. And now most most of the family will never darken the door of a church because everything that happened in that person's life was a result of what took place way back here 20 years earlier in their minds. One one even declared how they would refuse to give up their lifestyle choice in favor of attending a church, any church, all because of a bad experience. You don't give up on what God has ordained just because you had a rough patch. And, and I don't have any reason to think that this particular person was lying about the hurt. Uh, I, I believe them, and I believe they really went through some difficult issues. And there are bad churches among us. But that doesn't mean we, we excuse church altogether. So when Paul says here, Be followers together of me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an ensample, we should not dismiss this process altogether. And chalk it up as, well, we're, we're not supposed to follow man. We're supposed to follow God. We know that. We, we know that. But Christ isn't upon this earth. Amen. So who's the example? There's going to be some people who disappoint us along the way. But that doesn't mean that we all of a sudden dismiss all the other stuff that we learned. I think about those in the Bible who made some terrible decisions along the way. But we're still learning from them. Abraham was a liar. No, that's my sister. Moses was a murderer. And he might have had some anger issues. They're trying to pastor people. (laughs) David had some issues. I mean, he had an affair, killed one of his top generals, her husband, in order to try to cover up the illegitimate child. And yet, how many of us turn to the Psalms when we need comfort? So what we find here is there's nothing wrong with following others. We shouldn't dismiss something because there have been some bad experiences along the way. Now, the key is you don't follow somebody blindly. But the key is you follow those who are following Christ. Paul, he already established this here in this chapter. And Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 11.1, Be ye followers together of me, even as I am also of Christ. Follow me, but only as I'm following the Lord. To the Thessalonians, he said in 1 Thessalonians 1.6, and ye became followers of us and of the Lord. Therefore, you can't just follow somebody who calls themselves a Christian. But you need to make sure that they are first following Christ. And another reason we shouldn't be resistant to this practice when it comes to Christian living is because we do the same thing in the secular world. 
I mean, when you first began your job, it was somebody more experienced that helped you to learn your job. But you're not going to allow somebody from a whole other career field, a whole other job, come in and tell you how to do your specialty. When I joined the service and became a, a meteorologist for the Air Force, I listened to other meteorologists. But I wasn't going to listen to the maintainers tell me how to put a forecast together. And they had better not listen to me on how to fix an airplane. Yeah. It would no longer be the world's greatest air force. So there's nothing wrong with listening to others or even following others' examples, but we better make sure they are experienced and that they know what they're talking about. That they're following Christ before we follow them. Don't blindly follow someone, but make sure their life is aligned with the Bible. Now, I'm always amazed at Paul's leadership as he makes a statement like this. You know, I wonder, could you look at a new believer and could you tell them, you follow me? It's like we've been so conditioned in our minds in these days never to even talk like that. You know? And yet, it's, it's right here in the Bible as clear as can be. I mean, we're all supposed to be heading in the same direction, right? We're all supposed to be marching towards the prize. And if that's true, then we ought to be able to tell a new believer, listen, if you'll follow me, you'll end up with the prize. You'll end up in the right direction. You'll end up doing the right way. You'll, you'll live the right life. You'll have a good race. Philippians 4.9, he'll say again there, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and see in me do. <laughs> what you've seen me do, you do the same thing. And then he says this, and the God of peace shall be with you. Wow. 1 Corinthians 4.16, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. 2 Thessalonians 3.7, For yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Listen, there's some people we should follow. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't know why this is in my head, but I'm going to say it. It's like people, their lives fall apart. And instead of turning to the people that are here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, love the Lord, serving the Lord, faithful as can be, they turn to people that are in the exact same situation. That doesn't make any sense to me. Listen, if you want to know how to have a good marriage, find somebody who has had a good marriage. Whoop. If you want to know how to raise your kids, find somebody who raised their kids right. I'm not saying they won't have a couple of knuckleheads in there, but... Listen, if they raised them right, amen? <laughs> Looking at you, Sydney. <laughs> I'm teasing. That's still my girl. It's just amazing who we turn to, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, now, I'm not sure many are willing to make this kind of a statement and lead out in front. I think this is a pretty humbling thought tonight. But it should also challenge us to run the best race that we can possibly run because others are watching, whether we like it or not. It's amazing how we can see ourselves in our children. They have mannerisms like us. They use similar body language. 
And often the attitude we don't like seeing in them is only what they picked up from us. Likewise, in the Christian life, when we have new believers or young believers or even believers who have been here a while but are still immature, they will be watching us to see what we do and how we're living the Christian life. 1 Thessalonians 2, 10 through 12 says, Ye are witnesses, and God also, how holily and justly and unblameably we behaved ourselves among you that believe. As ye know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father doth his children, that ye would walk worthy of God, who hath called you unto his kingdom and glory. And so Paul said, you've been witnesses to how we've lived out our, our life, our Christianity. We've been holy, we've been just, we've been unblameable, we've had good behavior among you. And, and, and get this now, it was his testimony among them that enabled Paul to be able to say, I charge you as a father doth his children. It was because he had given the right example that he could use that analogy. And children can see right through their parents' hypocrisies. What child's going to want to clean... Their, let's start with something easy. What child would want to clean their room when your room's always a mess? Well, that didn't go over as well as I thought it would. I think there's a lot of dirty rooms here tonight. Why would a teenager not underage drink if mom and dad drink? Some of you will remember that commercial from 1987. At the time, I, I used to always make fun of it, and, and now I realize it's really serious. But the dad comes into the son's room. He's rocking out on the bed with his, you know, his wire headphones on. Anyway, he, uh, he comes in there, and, and he's got a, bo a box of pot or some kind of drugs. I can't remember what. I think it was pot. And uh, he says, your mom found this in your room. Where did you get this? And he doesn't say anything. And then the dad gets a little more stern. He says, where did you learn to do this? And he says, from you. I learned by watching you. And then the dad's demeanor just changes and the whole commercial goes quiet. And uh, there's a lot of truth to that, amen. And so we are to be an example for others to follow. We must understand others will watch. And that's especially true if you're in church leadership. 1 Timothy 4.12, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Hebrews 13.7, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. And then in 1 Peter 5.3, Peter addressing the, the elders or the pastors, he says, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. So, some of you teach Sunday school. They're watching you. Some of you work in the academy. They're watching you. And they're going to pick up on what you do. So rather than despise this responsibility, I think we should embrace it understanding that we can make a big impact in somebody's life if we just do right. You've heard the saying, actions speak louder than words. 
And it is our right actions that give us the credibility to be able to speak the words. Well, you know what you really need is Christ. Why? Look at your life. There's got to be credibility in order to have weight with the words. So really, we can say this is all about discipleship here. Because a disciple isn't just a learner, but a disciple is a follower who is taking what he's learned and he's now put it into practice. Be ye followers together of me. Paul was willing to be a discipler. (laughs) He was willing to be a discipler and to help other people. And so I would ask you tonight, are you willing to disciple others? It takes time. It takes effort. It takes patience. But are you willing to invest in others? I know my wife does. Because women are more likely to talk than men. But sometimes they disappear in the middle of the night and you never hear from them again. Are you willing to go through that? So I really want tonight to be a challenge to all of us to just step it up a little bit. And and Paul, he goes on to say, Mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. (laughs) If you see others walking as we walked among you, follow them. You know, you don't just have to follow a church leader. Church leaders aren't the only ones you can follow, but there are plenty of solid people in this church that you can follow after as they follow Christ. And I really want you to be a help to me by being willing to help others along and to help build that kind of culture here. Some people get so fastened to the pastor that as a church grows, now there's not enough time to split with everybody. And now that person feels left out and neglected. And so really what we need is a body of believers who will be willing to come along somebody and say, let me help you along or whatever they need, you know. Um, And so just be a help. So this is a group effort. I definitely want to be informed, but I don't always have to be involved with every detail. Now, I'm thankful for those. I know, I know several of you are helping others. You're discipling them. And uh, I thank you for taking the time out of your personal life to do so. I know it's a lot of effort. Titus 2, verses 1 through 8. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith and charity and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. So this is the Bible way. The, the Bible method is that the aged are to teach the younger. And just to be clear, in case you try to work yourself around what age means, it means to be old. And that's important. Because some who are old feel like God's done with them. And some who are not old feel like they should be aged. And I think this principle is lost in a lot of churches today. Why aren't the aged making more of an effort to teach the younger? 
And why aren't the younger making the effort to reach out to the aged? Our seniors have a lot to offer the younger generation. Amen. My dad always told me when I joined up in the service, listen to your senior NCOs. They know they've been there. It'd be nice that the younger generation would reach out to our elders for advice. But too often we stay in the comfort zone of our own peers. Well, I'm, I'm older, so I like the older people. I'm younger, I like the younger people. Paul, he's calling them to mark those who are an ensample. And I couldn't help but think, what a great passage in light of the how dare you judge me generation. Just think about what he's saying here. How, how are you supposed to mark them which are in samples if you can't judge them? Psalm 37, 37, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. Romans 16, 17, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. 2 Thessalonians 3.14 And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. So someone says, you can't judge me. Oh really? How else am I supposed to follow those verses? How can I mark them which cause divisions? How can I mark those who are mature in Christ if I can't judge? Well, that would be a whole different message. There was a survey once that found John 3.16 was no longer the most known passage, but it was Matthew 7.1. Judge not that you be not judged. Amazingly, if you just read a few verses later, Jesus said, if you'll pull the beam out of your eyes, then you will see clearly to pull the speck out. <laughs> anyway, I like getting stirred up on that, but I'm going to let it go. Let me, let me close with this point. Are you markable? No, let me reword that question. Which way are you markable? As one who has been found faithful and followable or one who is causing divisions contrary to our doctrine? How would you be marked? I want to be the kind of church where we're an example to other believers in a positive manner. So we need to live our lives in such a way that we have credibility to speak to others. And not pridefully, not sticking our nose where it doesn't belong, but... Uh, Letting the Holy Spirit have, its, have, have His role in everything. But we ought to do so sincerely. We, we ought to be interested in people's lives. And we don't have to push ourselves into a situation that nobody wants us in. But listen, we ought to be able to help people along as they need help. Amen. So let's be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. And you'll be on the right track. That's a humbling thought. Yoke up with me and I'll teach you. That's what the Bible says. Don't, don't yoke up with unbelievers. Don't be unequally yoked. Well, amen. Let's pray.